section one of irish idols this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by james carson irish idols by jane barlow section one preface in lysconnel and other such places we have a saying that there are plenty of things besides turf to be found in a bog this little book attempts to record some of these things including i hope a proportion of that human nature which a certain humorist has declared to exist in considerable quantities among our species i hope too that the phases of it pictured here may have some special interest for american readers to whose shores the wild boglands of connaught send so many a forlorn voyager over oceans of say they will perhaps care to glance at his old home and learn the reasons why he leaves it which seem to lie very obviously on the surface and the reasons less immediately apparent why his neighbors bide behind it is indeed the fact of these emigrants that chiefly encourages me to believe that there may be room and a welcome across the atlantic for this one emigrant more jane barlow raheny county dublin may eighteen ninety three o land our lady how bounteous whose wealth-giving gladdeth man's heart to some in sooth of thy children thou yieldest how rich a part yet to other some in thine anger how barren and rugged thou art chapter one lisconnel there is a great deal of room all round and about lisconnel that is perhaps what strikes one most upon arriving in sight of its half-score cabins though the impression may have been growing all along the seven irish miles from duffclane they could not well be measured on a lonelier road through a wilder bogland the broad level spreads away and away to the horizon before and behind and on either hand of you very sombrely hued yet less black-avised than more frequented bogs for the turf has been cut only in a few insignificant patches so that its darkness lies hidden under an ancient coverlid sad-coloured indeed but not sharply incongruous with sunshine heath rushes firs ling and the like have woven it thickly their various tints merging for the most part into one uniform brown with a few rusty streaks in it as if the weather-beaten fell of some huge primeval beast were stretched smoothly over the flat plain here and there however the monochrome will be broken a white gleam comes from a tract where the breeze is deftly unfurling the silky bog cotton turfs on a thousand elfin distaffs or a rich glow crimson and dusky purple dashed with gold betokens the profuse mingling of firs and heather blooms or a sunbeam glinting across some little 
grassy esker strikes out a strangely jewel-like flash of transparent green such as may be seen in young moss but these are very rare unusually rare in the bogland between duffclane and lysconnel the picture you bring away with you on most days of the year is of this wide brown floor sweeping on to meet the distant skyline whenever your eyes follow it to the southward you become aware of faint finely limed shapes that haunt it looming up on its borders much less substantial apparently in fabric than so many spirals of blue turf smoke they are big bends the remotest of them numbered it may be among those twelve towering conomerasi peaks which in saxon speech have dwindled into pins any country body met on the way would point out which dim wrath is ben Bron or ben neffen but i hardly care to identify them they seem to be looking in out of another world to remind us how far off it is as for the road it has determined that the wayfarer shall never lose his sense of the great solitudes through which it is leading him in all its length it has scarcely half a dozen yards of any kind of fence wall bushes or even the humblest ledge of bank it runs quite flush with the bog on either side sometimes edged by a narrow strip of the short fine sward where if the district were inhabited geese would waddle and graze but there is nothing to shut out the limitless expanses of earth and sky travelling on it a man may learn that a broad hat-brim is not an altogether despicable screen between his imagination and the insistence of an importunate infinity one autumn season a hapless neapolitan organ-grinder strayed somehow into these regions with his monkey clinging round his neck it is a long time ago but a generation afterwards people remembered the lost scared look in the eyes of man and beast they both fell ill and died in the town down beyond as if poor souls they had not the heart to keep alive in the vast murky sunless world that had been revealed to them and to this day you are pointed out the frenchman's grave for a foreigner here is always a frenchman in the churchyard beside the loch the road one of scotch nemo's making is generally drawn straight enough though now and again it swerves considerably to avoid a wet piece of bog and straight or winding its course may be traced for miles ahead a streak across the landscape not strongly marked except in very dry weather where there is white dust on it yet distinct as a crease in the palm of your hand one peculiarity of such a road is that you never come upon anybody sitting close beside it for since in damp climates people habitually avoid seating themselves on the unsophisticated surface of the earth and since neither stone dyke nor hedgerow bank offers a handy perch it follows that 
anyone who happens to be keeping an eye on geese or goats or setting down a heavy creel or waiting for the loan of a lift must find a resting place on some boulder or boss more or less off the beaten track hence the passer-by is occasionally given the time of day or the top of the morning in a startling shout which proceeds from some figure whose presence he had not surmised as the bog like a converse chameleon often has the property of subduing superimposed objects on its own vague tints this however makes little difference on the lisconnel road so few people pass along it at the duffclane end a donkey may now and then be met carrying a tall pyramid of chocolate-brown turf sods based on two pendant panniers between which his large head bobs patiently while beneath the load his slender tottering legs take quick staccato steps each scarcely the length of one of his own ears or an old woman comes by with a creel projecting quaintly under her dark blue cloak or a girl saunters barefooted after a single file of gabbling geese knitting a long grey stocking as she goes and never seeming to lift her eyes from the twinkle of her needles but after you have gone a short way the chances are that you will meet nothing more civilized and conversable than wild birds and very large gnats until you come in sight of lisconnel just before that the road starts abruptly as if it had suddenly taken fright at its own loneliness and dips down a steepish slope but quickly pulls itself up finding that escape is impossible the hill whose spur it has thus crossed is very insignificant only a knoll-like nakon prolonged on the left hand as a low ridge soon dwindling into a mere bank and imperceptibly ceasing from the face of the resurgent bog yet it probably fixed the sight of lisconnel because it offered some protection from the full sweep of the west wind and because its boulder-strewn slopes and a narrow strip at their foot have a covering of poor light soil in which potatoes can be set such advantages seldom recur within a radius of several miles for when i spoke of the spaciousness of lisconnel i did not mean that there is much room in it for you or me or anybody who must needs have a bit of land to live on the craggy ridge is surmounted by a few weather-worn thorn bushes and one ash tree so strongly warped to the eastward that a glance at it on the stillest day creates an impression of blasts blowing roughly also after the manner of trees thus situated it seems to draw down and diffuse the very spirit of the desolate surrounding solitudes the cabins themselves look somehow as if they felt its spell and were huddling together for company three in a row on one side of the road a couple fast by on the other not exactly facing them because of a swampy patch two more a few paces further on with oddy rafferty's and 
the widow McGurk's, which stand a trifle back of the road, up the hill slopes, climbing down to join the group. That is all Lisconnel, unless we count in the O'Driscoll's old dwelling, whose roof has long since top-dressed a neighboring field, and whose walls are in some places peered over by the nettles. Cabin walls in Lisconnel are built of rough stones with no mortar, and not mud enough to preclude a great deal of unscientific ventilation which, maybe, has its advantages dearly paid for through many a shivering night. All its roofs are thatched, but none of them with straw, which is too scarce for such a use. Rushes serve instead, not quite satisfactorily, being neither so warm nor so durable, nor even so picturesque, for their pale grey-green looks crude and cold, and the weather only bleaches it into a more colourless drab, when straw would be mellowly golden and russet. A thick fringe of stones must hang along the eaves or roof, and rafters would part company the first time the wind got a fair under grip of the thatch. Stones, as any one can see, are superabundant in Lisconnel, but ropes are not so easily come by, and therefore a block is sometimes just dumped down on the roof. When that is done, the rainwater gathers round it, and the thatch begins to rot. The largest window in Lisconnel measures not less than nine inches square, and is glazed with a whole pane of real glass through which strangely distorted glimpses of the outer world may be had. But opaquer substitutes are not at all exceptional, and in every case the door practically shuts out the daylight, unless the wall chinks gape abnormally wide. These habitations have been, when possible, purposely built on pieces of ground where the rock lies bare in flat ledges or hidden by a mere film of soil for the supply of by any means tillable land is so strictly limited that not a yard of it may be diverted from the accommodation of the crops poor little things moreover the living stock underfoot forms a convenient ready-made flooring barring a slight unevenness here and there in the Sheridan's cabin, for instance, a well-defined central elevation divides their room into a northern and a southern slope, and acts as a watershed during wet weather. The immediate surroundings of a Lisconnel cabin are not generally much more untidy than any other part of the bog, but this is perhaps due less to the neatness of its occupants than to the scantiness of their materials for making a litter. Similarly, if little waste as a rule goes on in Lisconnel, it may be not from thrift but of necessity. It is right to mention these facts, yet I hope it will appear that not all the virtues practised there are thus to be explained away. A turf stack looms darkly somewhere close by each door, and when newly saved, and therefore at its largest, looks like a solidified shadow of the little house. A big black pot 
sits so customarily over the threshold pried into hopefully by disappointed fowls that when it goes indoors the landscape seems unfinished against one end wall huddles a small stone shed which can be thatched promiscuously with a few armfuls of withered potato stalks if there are any creatures to keep in it oftenest it is empty the livestock of lisconnel never exceeds half a dozen goats as many pigs and a few chickens and in bad seasons these vanish as speedily as swallows after an october frost once the place owned a donkey but that came to grief as i may explain further on therefore the hopes and cares of the inhabitants centre mainly in the little grey-dyked fields which make a plaid pattern on the hillside and along a meagre belt beneath and this renders it the most regrettable that their most prolific and certain crop should be such an unremunerative one stones upon stones scattered broadcast by some malignant hundred-handed and perennially working up through the thin soil in mockery of ten-fingered attempts to collect and keep them under those loosely built boundary walls which intersect so frequently that the bit of land looks as if a coarsely meshed net had been flung over it fail utterly to exhaust the supply in each diminutive field a great cairn of them is painfully piled up as big sometimes as the cabin to which it belongs and still the husbandman comes on them at every turn they trip him up as he stumps between his struggling potato drills and grin maliciously at him through the sparse stunted tangle of his storm-tossed oats everywhere he can read written large an answer to his demand for bread the people of lisconnel have it is true a few other minor resources by which to supplement deficiencies and tide over periods of stress rent days for example and blights and buryings when harvest begins some of the men tramp off with their sickles round their necks and get jobs in districts where farms are on a larger scale they do not go to any great distance for lack of means and enterprise and the women knit stockings of the harsh feeling dark yarn hanks of which are hung in festoons over the counter of coors shop in the town away beyond duffclane this might become the source of quite a handsome revenue swelling to whole shillings a week since a moderate knitter can finish a long stocking from knee to toe in a day only that the demand for the article is sluggish and mr cor can give but small and intermittent orders och no mrs quigley i've no call for any such a thing these times at all sure i've a couple of pair of the last i took from you hanging up yet and by the same token it's much if them little silverines of moths haven't eaten them into thread lace on me again now at which hearing mrs quigley trails away with her old market-basket and one new disappointment the more 
there is yet another method by which pennies are sometimes turned at lisconnel but it might seem hardly fair to mention that in a general review of the inhabitants pursuits most of them take no more active part in it than that of not letting on which is after all a neighbourly attitude often expedient for us to adopt whatever our position in society so by hook or by crook lisconnel holds together from year to year with no particular prospect of changes though it would be safe enough to prophesy that should any occur they will tend towards the falling in of derelict roofs and the growth of weeds round deserted hearthstones and crumbling walls you may see the ground plan of more considerable places than lisconnel sketched in this forlorn fashion on many a townland thereabouts it would not be easy to judge from their aspect to-day how long it is since these cabins were newly built for they look as if they might have grown up contemporaneously with the weather-fending nakon itself which is clearly impossible as a matter of fact seventy years ago none of them existed however soon after that they were run up rather hurriedly and tenanted by some people who it is said came thither reluctantly from a more southerly district where there are now flourishing grass farms whatever their private views on the matter may have been the destiny of these persons was evidently appropriate enough for lisconnel is poor and insignificant and we are told that the gods ever bring like to like so the newcomers settled down where some of their descendants remain to this day indeed until within a few months since one of the original colonists was still living there a very old body much given to reminiscences of the home she had left so long ago that she should have remembered it well but hardly creditable were the statements she made about that countryside with its meadows where the grass stood higher than the tallest rushes out on the bog yonder and its potato and barley fields you could scarce see from one end to the other of they were that sizable where there were cows and calves and firkins of butter let alone lations and lavens of skim milk and whey and where a big potful of oatmeal stir about was set down for the breakfast every morning and as often as not there would be a bit of bacon frying for the dinner on a sunday she expected it to be believed that she had lived in a house containing three rooms one of them with a boarded floor and as corroborative evidence would point to a battered pewter pint mug which used to hang on a dresser in that apartment most of her hearers accepted this as perfectly conclusive testimony and i mind a little black hin i had of me own wit a top knot on her many's the handful of dirty oats i'd thrown the creature sure it's not to the hins we'd be throwing them childer these times if we had them whatever but now that she is gone these traditions will share the fate of all such legendary lore growing stranger and wilder and more obviously unhistorical with the lapse of time until they add just a tinge of wistfulness 
to conjectures about the receded past for cows be dad and a bit of cart drivin in to the market well to be sure but it's the queer old romancin she had out of her whereas lisconnel stands here in the light of common day a hard fact with no fantastic myths to embellish or disprove it chapter two a windfall the widow mcgurk has managed her own farm of more than half an acre ever since her husband's death which took place one spring several years ago just when he was about to get in his seed potatoes they weighed very much on his mind during his last hours for he gravely doubted the success of his wife's unsupervised operations and how was she going to live at all if the crop failed on her she tried to pacify him by assuring him that the ground was frozen as hard as bullets and all the men in connaught couldn't work a stroke if they were outside in the field but he was not deceived and would have got up if he had been able to stand on his feet potatoes were all that day the burden of so much discourse as is possible to any one with double pneumonia which his neighbors diagnosed as a queer wakeness on his chest but about sunsetting father rooney summoned by mad bell rode up on his old cream-colored pony and he gave the sick man some consolation well well mcgurk he said she'll have good neighbors to assist her anyway and she'll do grandly with the blessing of god and when i was coming along just now i think i noticed one of the boys getting across the dyke into your bit of field there with a grape over his shoulder like as if he was going to do a job for you mcgurk sought to verify this cheery news by looking through the span of window which was near his head but as it happened to be glazed with the lid of a tin biscuit canister he could not do so and had to take the statement on trust however he said glory be and thenceforward seemed easier like until the small hours next morning when he grew easier still mrs mcgurk's subsequent career though not exactly grand even for lisconnel has in a measure at least justified father rooney's prognostications the people have been ready enough to do good turns for a neighbor who takes high social rank as a lone widdy without chick or child belonging to her in this world the creature but her own peculiarities sometimes ran counter to their kind intentions she was not a native of that country side and had travelled to it along a path declining from better days most grievous for her to tread as she had the proud and independent spirit through which the steps of those coming down in the world are vexed with a thousand thorns after more than half a lifetime her heart still turned to the place where she had spent her long young years of comparative prosperity before her father got drinking she could not bring herself to accept the lower level as a permanent one or to abandon an absurdly palpable fiction according to which she was recognized as well-to-do and in want of nobody's help 
Hence, whenever she was known to be in straits, the neighbors had to consider not only their own ways and means, generally a puzzling question, but also susceptibilities on the widow's part, which often proved no less embarrassing and restrictive. A little too much outspokenness, a little over-precipitancy in taking the hint which she was sometimes lowfully constrained to let fall would convert any attempted relief into grounds of dire offence it would not do for example to come bouncing in as judy ryan did one evening bringing a pail full of potatoes culled cautiously though in no grudging mood from a slender store if judy threw back a handful at the last moment it was not her will consented and saying och sure mrs mcgurk i've heard you've run out of potatoes why it's starved you must be woman alive cliver and clane here's an odd few i've brought you in the old bucket and they'd be more only we're getting shortish ourselves judy was immediately informed with a lamentable disregard of truth that mrs mcgurk had more potatoes than she could use in a month of sundays and was at the same time given to understand with an impolite absence of circumlocution that the sooner she removed herself and her old bucket the better it would be after which the pat ryans and the widow mcgurk were not on speaking terms for many a long day then on another occasion she gloomily dug her steep potato patch all over again from top to bottom and in consequence had her potatoes a good fortnight late whereby half of them rotted in a spell of very wet weather which occurred before they were fit to lift simply because hugh quigley had finished trenching the ground for them without consulting her thinking that since she seemed whiles troubled with the rheumatics for by not being altogether so supple as she was she would deem it a pleasant surprise to find the task unbeknownst taken off her hands incidents such as these led lisconnel to opine that the widow mcgurk was as contrary as the two winds of a reaping hook and their tendency was not unnaturally to diminish her friend's zeal upon her behalf yet she never so far alienated their sympathies but that she found some of them ready to stand by her at a pinch and as they said humour her the best way they could perhaps mrs kilfoyle the old woman who remembered impossible things was most successful in this respect which need not be wondered at since people regarded her as a person who possessed more gifts than a turn for romancing these were at times summed up in a statement that she had a way with her the way which she commonly used in her delicate transactions with the widow mcgurk was to borrow the loan from her of a jug or a mug what she would want with one it would have been difficult to conjecture plausibly for she had an assortment of them much more numerous than any imaginable emergencies could demand ranged upon her own smoke-blackened shelves such articles of coarse crockery would seem to be the 
one thing in which Lysconnel is sometimes superfluous. However, the fact is that Mrs. Kilfoyle ever and anon toiled up the rush-tussocked slope to Mrs. McGurk's abode on the hillside, which she certainly would not have done for nothing, being old, and though a light weight less nimble of foot than of wit, with no ostensible purpose other than to negotiate such a loan. It is true that on these occasions she was apt to be struck by a sudden thought just as she took leave. Well, I must be shaken off with oneself, Mrs. McGurk, and thank you kindly, ma'am. Sure it's troubling you I am too often. Not at all, not at all, from Mrs. McGurk, whose gaunt head rose two inches higher with the consciousness of conferring a favour. Don't think to mention it, Mrs. Kilfoyle. You're as welcome as the light of day to any sticks of these I've got. I suppose now, ma'am, you couldn't be taking a couple of stone of potatoes off of us. Ours to be keepin' that badly we can't use them quick enough, and you could be payin' us back when the new ones come in accordin' as was convenient. If you would, I'd send one of the children up with them as soon as I get home. Sorrow the trouble in it at all, and thank you kindly, Mrs. McGurk, and good evening to you, ma'am. Then, trotting down the hill, I'll bid the lads to be stirring themselves, never a bit the creatures, after getting this day. Or it might be good evening, Mrs. McGurk, and I'll be careful with your jug. I was thinking, by the way, you maybe wouldn't object to the lads leaving you up a few creels of turf, now our stack's finished building, just to keep them quite, for it's beyond themselves they get entirely if they're not at some job. They do have their mother distracted with their devilments, the little spillines. I believe the widow was never known to take offence at any of these afterthoughts, though I am not sure that she did not now and then dimly surmise a stratagem which she would have resented fiercely had the contriver been anybody else than this little old woman with her white hair like carded bog-cotton and a sweet high-piping voice like a small chicken's. But even the other neighbors sometimes managed things adroitly, for Lysconnel is not deficient in tact when it takes time to consider. Still that tug-of-war between pride and penury could not fail to produce harassing incidents, and the widow McGurk swallowed many an ungrudgingly bestowed morsel with bitter feelings of reluctance which rather more or less magnanimity would have spared her. But one day she found herself elevated above these mortifications by a little wave of affluence, which swelled up suddenly under her feet. It was a still November morning, with a smooth leaden sky, and wisps of paler mist hardly moving on the sombre face of the bog in the distance. Not a morning that seemed to promise anything out of the common, yet it brought a letter to the widow McGurk. A letter is almost as infrequent an occurrence in Lysconnel as a burglary in the village of average liveliness, and it usually gets there by circuitous and dilatory modes of conveyance, for which the postal regulations are not responsible. But the contents of Mrs. McGurk's blue envelope were fully as astonishing as its appearance had been. 
they consisted of a money order accompanied by a document which explained that this was the share accruing to her from the divided estate of some unknown kinsman who had died possessed as was apparent of property in connecticut u s a and the money order was for the amount of fifteen shillings do not suppose that mrs mcgurk ascertained these things at a glance as we might read a paragraph in a newspaper the deciphering of them proved a stiff task for a more knowledgeable person than herself though mind you it was a queer piece of print would bother her or handwriting either if it was wrote anyways reasonable her first impression in truth was that she had received some ominous notice or warning about her rent which would imply that she stood in imminent danger of being put out of it an apprehension prone to haunt the mind of the dweller in lisconnel and winged with this murk-feathered fear she sped down to consult her nearest neighbours the kilfoyles so great was her hurry that mrs brian kilfoyle rinsing a pot outside their door remarked to her mother-in-law within here's the widdy mcgurk leapin down the hill with an old spancelled goat be the power she was nearly on her head that time over a wisp of bent grass it's much if she's not after scald in her hand wid the kettle for she seems to have got a bit of white rag on it as neither of them could enlighten or reassure her brian was shouted for from his adjacent digging and even he had to sit for a considerable time on the dyke with the paper spread down in front of him between two broad thumbs and with a little breeze blowing through his red beard before he solved the problem a small crowd had assembled to hear the result and was properly impressed by the magnitude of the riches which had flowed into lisconnel people are generally loath to be in any way balked of a strong sensation and so when mrs sheridan said after prolonged calculatory mutterings fifteen shillings sure that's something short of a pound isn't it now there was a disposition to resent the remark albeit she really spoke with no wish to belittle but merely from a habit of estimating things negatively it's more than her half-year's rent so it is anyhow whatever it may be short of said pat ryan sententiously may the divil dance upon the rent rejoined his brother tim and i'm wishing you good luck along with your distributed fortune mrs mcgurk public sentiment was on the whole with tim of course if this phenomenal influx of wealth had confined itself less exclusively to a single channel satisfaction would have been livelier pennies jingling in your own pocket ring more silverly than shillings in that of your neighbour and will do so until coins may bear the date of the millennium still the widow's legacy was a popular measure in lisconnel and for the time being created among its inhabitants a strong feeling in favour of fortune's administration of affairs their motives however were not purely disinterested because some of them more especially the women and girls would for several ensuing weeks retain an irrational conviction that the probabilities of such a letter coming to their own address had been 
materially heightened only by degrees would these illogical persons cease to experience a faint twinge of disappointment when some casual pat or mick returning from the town appeared as might have been expected empty-handed it was so easy now to imagine someone again bawling along the road where's mrs so-and-so sure there's a letter for her they gave me down beyond there were a few exceptions to this prevalence of generous sympathy i fear that mrs quigley cannot be acquitted of an attempt to dull an envious pang by rubbing the edge off mrs mcgurk's joy when she said after a critical survey of the flimsy paper scrap in which it was at present enfolded well now i'd liefer had had money down straight or at all events one of them blue and white patron with the plain black figures i've heard tell there does be every manner of botheration sometimes afore you can get that sort ped if you ever get it at all mrs mcgurk's face fell as rapidly as a barometer in a hurricane but before it had time to lengthen more than an inch or so devil the botheration brian said herself below at the office'll just sling the amount at you out of a little windy box same as if it was a pennyworth of brown sugar over the counter at cores they might be axin you to put your name to something but sure any old scrawn'll do and they'll settle it up themselves inside that's all the troubles in it och well they'll be takin something off of it for startin persisted mrs quigley reduced to a but paltry and meagre solace they're never for payin one the full amount of anything pennies they'll be taken off but brian said with confidence i question will they and at all events a penny or so but a trifle here or there it's yourself would be countin the spillins when they're all pourin you out a supper drink so mrs quigley returned out of humour to her morning's occupation which happened to be minding a small baby patching an old red woollen petticoat with bits of an older blay calico shirt wishing that the rheumatiz hadn't got such a hold on her right elbow and wondering by what manner of means they could contrive to use only the full of the big pot of potatoes daily when every other potato was bad in the middle while mrs mcgurk her faith in her windfall not appreciably shaken resumed possession of her postal order now imprinted blackly with many unofficial stamps when the aeschylean hermes said that prometheus would not be tolerable if he were prosperous he voiced a sentiment which most of us have felt at times though we may never have expressed it so frankly and which appears rather melancholy and rather grotesque if one considers it deeply enough not that this remark has any special application to the widow mcgurk whatever may have been the case with regard to the pioneer philanthropist two or three of her neighbors it is true did suspect her of seeming sot up like by her accession of wealth but this was merely their imagination she really was not unduly uplifted being indeed one of the people in whom a sudden shock of good luck awakens a keen and compunctious sense of their neighbours less happy circumstances 
when this half-remorseful feeling is retrospective in its action, linking itself with memories of those who can be no longer touched by any freak of fortune, it serves as a very effectual safeguard against over-elation, and that is not at all an uncommon experience among the dwellers in places like Lisconnel. The widow McGurk then bore her fifteen shillings meekly, and even listened with patience to the conflicting advice which her neighbors liberally gave her on the urgent question of their investment. Four shillings must go, body and bones, to pay off a long-standing account at Coors. That was one fixed point. But with respect to laying out the remainder of the sum, there were as many mines as there were women in Lysconnel, and rather more. On the whole she seemed more inclined to adopt the suggestion offered by old Mrs. Kilfoyle. "'If I was in your coat, Mrs. McGurk,' she said, "'I've a great notion I'd be gettin' myself three or four stone, or maybe half a barrel, of meal. Oatmeal, I mean, ma'am, not the yeller injun trash that's fitter for pigs than human creatures, God forgive me for sayin' so. That'd come expensive on you, ma'am, I know, but then twould put you over the worst of the winter grand. Sure there's nothin' more delightful of a perishin' night than a sup of oatmeal gruel with a taste of sour milk through it, nothin' so elegant, unless it might be a hot cup of tay. Nobody believed Peter Sheridan when he alleged that if the money were his, he'd just slip it away somewhere safe, and have it ready to hand towards the lady-day rent. Such unnatural prudence could be supposed in no one when actually brought to the test. It was easy talkin', and he himself never before the world wid a threepenny bit. Be that as it may, Mrs. McGurk had long before sunset planned a shopping expedition to the town for the very next day, and it was arranged that the widow Doyne's Stacy should accompany her and help her with her load, which people understood would consist mainly of a heavy meal-bag. An early start was necessary, for daylight had shrunk nearly to its shortest measure, and the town lies a good step beyond even far-off Duffplain, which scarcely surpassing Lisconnel in size, and making no better attempt at a shop than a cabin with two loaves filling one window and half a dozen shriveled oranges and a glass of sugar-sticks enriching the other, gives little scope for the operations of the capitalist. If you live at Lisconnel, it is convenient to understand that down below means Duffclane, and down beyant Ballybrosna, preeminently the town. There were still thin, fiery lines quivering low down on the rim of the ashen-gray eastern sky, and to the westward the shadow of a great dark wing still seemed to brood over the bog, when Mrs. McGurk, wearing a hooded cloak borrowed from Mrs. Sheridan, and bearing a battered osier basket with a cord handle loaned by Big Anne, stood ready equipped for her journey. Before she could start, however, she had to make a round of calls upon her acquaintances to inquire whether she could do ever a thing for them down beyant. This is a long-established social observance, which to omit would have been a grave breach of etiquette. 
yet like other social observances it sometimes became rather trying on the present occasion one might almost have fancied a touch of irony in the polite question there were so many things she could have done for them if but there was much virtue in that if more just than than usual for the harvest had been indifferent and an early spell of cold weather had brought keenly home to the inhabitants of lisconnel the fact that they stood upon the verge of the long winter and the people were afraid of it in the face of those white starving days and black perishing nights they durst not break into their queer little hordes of pence corners of the handkerchiefs or high-hung jugs or even chinks in the wall any more than they would have opened their door with an unmetaphorical wolf howling expectantly somewhere fast by so the widow mcgurk received only few and trivial commissions a pennyworth of housewife thread a couple of farthing match-boxes and the like mrs quigley was on the point of bespeaking half a stone of meal but drew back at the last moment and resolved to do with potatoes though her husband who had begun to scent stir about for breakfast looked cast down as he tramped off with his grip and mrs pat ryan knew that her children were expecting a penny among them to send for sugar-sticks so she told them angrily to quit out of that from under her feet and be minding the goat for at such times the heart of the head of affairs has to be hardened and the process often incidentally gives a rough edge to the temper the last people mrs mcgurk called upon were the mick ryans old mick who had long been past his work and indeed past himself entirely as his neighbours put it was seated on the dyke near the door waiting till they were a bit redded up inside and thinking vaguely that the wind felt cold his smoke-dried furrowed face had hardly more expression in it than the little potato patch that sloped up behind him but all at once a gleam came into his eye and he said very alertly and is it to the town you're goin' ma'am ah well now father what did you be after at all said mrs mick his daughter-in-law uneasily for old ryan was fumbling in his pockets wherein bygone days there used sometimes to be pennies but where there never were any now tobacco he said after a pause and fumbled on whither now goodness grant me patience what talk have you about tobacco these times man alive said mrs mick with slightly threadbare good-humour where'd you be gettin a notion of tobacco sure mrs mcgurk here signalling with a gutta-percha grimace to her visitor for corroboration won't be settin foot within miles of a tobacco shop she's just goin after a bag of mail and himself might be gettin you a bit comin on the new year didn't he bring you a grand twist only last lady day the old man partly discouraged by the fruitlessness of his researches in his pocket and partly by the haziness of the prospect held out to him seemed to let the idea drop and his face became nearly as vacant a track as before with perhaps a shadow on the furrows 
and his unmarried daughter, who had been groping in her pocket but had found nothing to the purpose there, said under her breath, the creature, two words, which in Lisconnel so often sum up one's judgment upon a neighbor's character and condition. The widow McGurk and Stacy Doyne could not be expected home much before dark, and nobody began to look out for them until quite one o'clock. The ridge of the knockhorn behind the widow's cabin commands an ample stretch of the road in both directions, and from that point of vantage there is generally someone on the lookout, most likely for a mere pastime, though watchers there have been sorely in earnest. But the probable proceedings of the two travellers, the various stages of their journey, and all the circumstances connected therewith, furnished unusually abundant material for discussion about the doors and beneath the thatch of Lisconnel all through this quiet November day, not otherwise rich in incident, as nothing more noteworthy occurred than a slight difference of opinion between Mrs. Quigley and Judy Ryan respecting some hens, and an acute yet transitory excitement roused when Mrs. Sheridan's two-year-old Joe was almost swept over the black edge of a bog-hole by the trailing tether-rope of an unruly goat. Neighbors meeting were at no loss for a remark when they could say, They'll be better than half-ways there by now, or I wonder what coral be charging her the stone for the meal, or I'm after axin' her to try, was there a chance of anybody wantin' me couple of specaletti pullets? They've given over layin' on me, and I've scarce a bit of feedin' for them up here at all. When they smell our potatoes boiled, they're in after them like eagles, fit to swallow them out of the pot. As time wore on, these speculations began to take a gloomy tone for Mrs. McGurk was much later returning than had been anticipated, which naturally suggested some mishap. They might have lost the money order. That was the favorite hypothesis. Or maybe the people at the post office, Mrs. Quigley reverted, but now without malign intent to her original theory, would have nothing to say to it, good or bad. About five o'clock, when it was quite dark, a gossoon at the Mick Ryan's supposed, with a grin, that they might have met something queer coming from Clayson's Boreen. Whereupon Mrs. Mick, sitting in the dusky background, might have been seen to bless herself hurriedly, while Sally Sheridan, who stood near the open door, edged several steps further into the room for the place mentioned is an ill-reputed bit of road, and the next time the rising wind came round the hill with a hoot and a keen, all the women started and said, Och, the laws bless us, what was that? At last, just as Mrs. Doyne was pointing out how easily one of them might have happened to put her foot in a hole in the dark and break the leg of her, the same way that O'Hanlon's son did a twelfth month since, bringing back a heifer from the fair, and he lying out on the roadside all night, and the beast traipsed off home with herself as contented as you please, hailing shouts which softened into a gabbling hum at a closer range, put an end to all such surmises. 
Mrs. McGurk's shopping had been done on liberal lines, to judge by the bulging of the basket, which she set down on the first sufficiently flat-topped dyke of Lisconnel, while she took a temporary rest, and her friends skimmed the cream of the day's adventures. The ill-fitting lid covered an interesting miscellany, which the uncertain moonlight made it difficult to inspect and price satisfactorily. In Lisconnel, no newly imported article can be contemplated with equanimity until everybody who is qualified to form an opinion has guessed how much it cost. The first parcel that came out was the cause of the expedition's late return, having been accidentally laid down on a counter, and only remembered when Mrs. McGurk and her companion were a long mile and a half on their homeward way but the widow felt that she would have tramped back wearily twice as far rather than have left it behind when biddy old mick ryan's daughter whispered to her sure he was lookin out for somethin in a manner the whole day i knew by the face of him whenever they would be afoot goin past the door though what got such an idea into his head bangs me this livin minute the creature has a couple of matches slipped under the sleeve of his old coat that he axed the loan of from larry sheridan this mornin belike he arrah now look at the size of the lump that is interposed his daughter-in-law i'm real ashamed bedad he'd no call to be talkin of such things faith ma'am twill have stood you in wish then wished you stuckon protested mrs mcgurk and don't go for to be puttin him out o consate wid his little bit of enjoyment size or no size meanwhile old mick sat with the expression of one wrapped away in a soothing reverie and slowly fingered his dark twist of tobacco lingering gloatingly over the moist newly cut end when biddy offered to fetch him down his little black pipe he said no begob i'll just be keepin the feel of it in me hand for this night which he did there were other delights in the basket a bundle of portly brown and white sugar sticks made some full-grown people secretly wish that they were children too and left the children themselves for the time being without an unsatisfied wish in the peppermint scented world it was on this occasion that a reconciliation between mrs mcgurk and judy ryan who it may be remembered had offensively obtruded an offering of potatoes was cemented durably to draw omens from intense adhesiveness by the number and length of the sticks bestowed upon the youthful pat ryan's then there was a large blue bottle with a red and yellow label which contained a lineament warranted to cure the very worst of rheumatics this was to be divided between mrs quigley and peter sheridan sufferers of many twinges who would now command at any rate the not despised consolation diffused by strong odours of turpentine and camphorated oil the only pity was that such powerful smelling stuff should be marked poison so very plainly as to scare any one from trying it innards and in one parcel was a coarse warm woollen shirt for stacy 
instead of the thin rag which she had shivered along many a mile that day while another swelled with the knitting yarn that peg sheridan who was lame-footed and lost without a bit of work in her hand had been fretting for time out of mind but the purchases whence mrs mcgurk herself derived the keenest pleasure were the two dark purple papered packets which she left at the kilfoyles cabin on her way up to her own no meagre funnel-shaped wisps screwed up to receive skimpy ounces and quarters but capacious bags that would stand squarely on end when filled and quartered and that you would not err in describing as one pound of two and tuppenny tea and four of tuppenny halfpenny soft sugar this was of course magnificent still one might have thought that old mrs kilfoyle's recollections of earlier days remote though they were would have prevented her from being so taken aback as to sit with the packages in her lap remarking nothing more appropriate than musha then well to goodness sure woman dear och now begorra why what at all treble noted incoherencies which were borne down by the gruffer tones of mrs mcgurk who at the same time was saying over earnestly for a mere conventional disclaimer ah now mrs kilfoyle honey don't let there be a word out of your head sure it was just to gratify meself i done it and i'm real annoyed divil a lie i'm tellin you it's downright annoyed i do be to see the little teapot sittin cocked up there on the shelf and niver a drop to go in it for you this great while back ay that's so said mrs brian nary a grain of tea she's had since poor thady went that would bring in her an odd quarter pound when he was after getting a job o work anywheres but these times what with this thing and the other however it's a grand tease she'll be taken now entirely continued mrs brian who was inwardly calling herself a big stupid gomach for alluding to thady and the goats milkin finely yet a while so as there'll be a sup of milk for her you'll be havin great tea drinkins now mother won't you wid what all mrs mcgurk's after bringin you end of section one